Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24. This is the final message in a four-part series on Joshua. We spent some time in chapter 1, in chapter 3, and in chapter 5, and now we are fast-forwarding through quite a bit of material to get to chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, we're going to read the first uh, two and a half verses of, of chapter 24, and then skip to verse 14 and read through verse 25. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the leaders, elders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Naor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. Verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed these great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and will make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. And on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees, and laws. On January the 17th, 1961, how many of you were alive January the 17th, 1961? Raise your hand. Yeah. I was alive. I was uh, six months old, within three days of six months old. Uh, So I remember January the 17th, 1961. I was sitting in front of a television and I had a tablet and I was making notes. And there was a bald-headed fella, near bald-headed fella, on the TV, and uh, they told me that his name was President Eisenhower. 
And he said these words, among all that he said, he said these words, in this my last good night to you as your president, I thank you for the many opportunities you've given me for public service in war and peace. I trust that in that service you find some things worthy. As for the rest of it, I know you will find ways to improve performance in the future. You and I, my fellow citizens, need to be strong in our faith that all nations under God will reach the goal of peace with justice. May we ever be unswerving in devotion to principle, confident but humble in power, diligent in pursuit of the nation's great goals. To all the peoples of the world, I once more give expression to America's prayerful and continuing aspiration. We pray that peoples of all faiths all races, all nations may have their great human needs satisfied. That those now denied opportunity shall come to enjoy it to the full. That all who yearn for freedom may experience its spiritual blessings. That those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibilities. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity. That the scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made to disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed by the binding force of mutual respect and love. And now, on Friday noon, I am to become a private citizen. I am proud to do so. I look forward to it. Thank you. And good night. The farewell address of President Dwight Eisenhower. Uh, Farewell addresses are fascinating to me. I think about the farewell address of Lou Gehrig, the great Yankees ball player, when in his final address to the fans at, uh, at Yankee Stadium, He says to them, he says, I know that you have heard of the bad break that I've got. But he says, I stand here to say to you that I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Or the last words of General Douglas MacArthur after he had been fired by uh, President Harry Truman. When he stood before uh, Congress and he said to them, he says, old soldiers never die. They simply fade away. Farewell addresses. They're fascinating. Joshua chapter 24 is the farewell address of a great man. And his name was Joshua. Last time we saw Joshua last week was in Joshua chapter 5. They were standing at Gilgal. They had just crossed the Jordan. They were standing at Gilgal. There was a lot of ground to cover. They stopped there, they paused to reflect on their past, to evaluate their present, and to plan for the future. And after they had spent time doing that at Gilgal, they commenced a conquest. As it would turn out, it would be a partial conquest of the land of Canaan. And between chapter 5 and chapter 13, they will invade, beginning at Jericho and then moving on to Ai, they would invade 31 different provinces each having their own king. 
And they invaded them one after another, after another, after another with the help of God, including some very harsh instructions that God gave those uh, Israelites. He told them, he says, you're to conquer every place that you set your foot on and everywhere you go, you are to wipe out every man and woman and boy and girl and baby that nurses at its mother's uh, breast and every animal, you're not to leave anything that breathes. Those were the commands that God gave Joshua. In fact, scholars and theologians and objective Christians who read the Bible without a bias, we look at that and we wrestle with those instructions, as I think we should. Anybody who doesn't wrestle with that is not not pinching their skin enough. But by chapter 13, they had invaded 31 different provinces, invaded 31 different capital cities. And yet, in chapter 13, Joshua, now an old man, is is approached by the Lord and he says to him, he says, there is still much land to conquer. And God starts laying out the different places where they needed to conquer. And after he gets through... You'd think that they would get up and then finish the job of conquering the rest of the land. But instead, they start dividing up the land that's already been conquered. They divide it up among 11 of the 12 tribes. The 12th tribe, the tribe of Levi, they were given certain cities of refuge. The Levites were not given a province in which to live. Because they were the priests to the Lord God. And so from chapter 13 all the way through chapter 21, they spend time dividing the land. And with yet a lot of land yet to conquer, Joshua stands before the people and he issues a farewell address. He realizes that his time has come to a conclusion, but he also realizes that the Israelites' task is not. He's finished. They are not And he, like Moses, when Moses gave his farewell address that covers all of the book of Deuteronomy, Joshua is afraid that the people are going to forget what God has done. Moses was so afraid of that in Deuteronomy. In fact, the most echoed verses in Deuteronomy go something like this. Be careful that you do not forget what the Lord your God has done. So Joshua, an old man... He issues this farewell address. And in this farewell address, there are four things that he covers. First of all, he covers what God has done in the past. He says in the middle of verse 2, he says, Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nera, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshiped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates, and I led him throughout Canaan, and I gave him many descendants. And and that rehearsal of all that God did went from uh, verse the middle of verse 2 all the way through verse 13. In fact, it covers a lot of verses that I didn't include in the opening passage that I read. And all of it, was, as, was given as a reminder, this is what God has done day after day, place after place, year after year, experience after experience. God has been faithful. What does that say to 
those of us who are living today and who are worshiping here at Palmetto Baptist Church or any other church, it simply says this, that when you and I look back over the history of humanity, and then when you and I look back over the history of our nation, and when you and I look back over the history of our own lives here on earth, one common denominator echoes loud and clear day after day, year after year, place after place, person after person, generation after generation. And it is simply this, that our God has been faithful to us. We will not, nor can we, understand everything that God does and everything that God allows. In fact, I'm quite perplexed by some of the things that God allows and has allowed throughout history. But one thing I know, that above all the things I can't understand, there are some bedrock truths that I do understand, and among them, that our God has been faithful to me. Even in times when I was absolutely unfaithful to Him, God proved faithful to me. God has been faithful. But the second thing that that Joshua begins to rehearse is this. Not only has God been faithful in the past, but, but we tend to hold on to the past. And usually the things that we hold on to in the past, we think are good things, but they turn out being not so good things. Verse 14, Joshua says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness and throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Is there not an amazing statement right there? They spent 430 years in Egypt. They spent 40 years in the wilderness. Before they ever spent 430 years in Egypt, they spent uh, probably several hundred years back and forth Uh, from Canaan down to Egypt, back up to Canaan, down to Egypt. And before that, Abraham spent a good good bit of time going from Ur of the Chaldees in modern-day southern Iraq all the way up to Haran, which is in modern-day Syria, and then finally into Canaan. You know, (laughs) it's been a long time since they saw the, the old false gods way down there on the other side of the Euphrates River in Mesopotamia, and yet Joshua recognizes that here... After having conquered 31 different provinces in the land of Canaan, there were still people who were holding on to some of the false gods that their great, 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 great grandfather Terah held on to way over there on the other side of the Euphrates. Is that not amazing? Now, it's one thing to hold on to some gods, false gods that they had become acquainted with in Egypt. After all, that was only 40 years ago. Maybe 60 years ago, if you allow for some time for the conquest. But they're still holding on to some gods that their forefathers held on to way on the other side of the Euphrates. He's he's acknowledging that they're holding on to the past and the past that they hold on to. And ladies and gentlemen, the past that you and I tend to want to hold on to with a death grip is usually a past that is detrimental to our future. Joshua told them what God had done in the past. He told them what we tend to do with the past, which is hold on to past. And then third, he told us what he told them what God is challenging them to do now and what God is challenging us to do now. Verse 15. He says, but if serving the Lord, in verse 14, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him. Verse 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of our ancestors 
that our ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Somebody has to challenge the people to do what they're uncomfortable doing. And somebody must not only challenge the people to do it, they must take the lead in in exemplifying what they're asking the people to do. You have a choice, he says. You can go back to the past that you're holding on to, or you can move to the future that God is leading you to. You can hold on to the gods that your father served on the other side of Euphrates, or you can move faithfully forward and serve the Lord. You choose what you're going to do, but here's what I'm going to do. God is challenging us to serve him. Number four, he also showed them what they must not do now. Because you see, the people answered in verse 16. They said, far be it for for us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. We will serve the Lord. But look at what verse 19 says. Joshua says to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. You see, uh, there, is, there is a disadvantage. There is a problem with a hasty commitment. Because when we make a hasty commitment, you know what happens nine out of ten times? We won't keep that commitment. And so we have to think about what we're doing. Jesus said the same thing. There were some people who came up and they said, we want to follow you wherever you go. It was a hasty commitment. And Jesus says, you don't realize what you're saying. There are times when I don't even have a stone on which to lay my head. There are times when I don't have bread to eat. There are times when I don't have a, a place to live. Well, we want to go. He says, count the cost. And then fifth, Joshua told them what it takes to prove their commitment. And what it takes, verses 23 through 25. Now then said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. You see, what it takes to prove our commitment is to back up our talk with our walk. Joshua's about to die. By the time this chapter ends, he will be dead And it was so important to him that the people hear what he had to say. Lou Gehrig played with the Yankees from 1923 to 1939. At that point, he had played in 2,330 consecutive games. He had a lifetime batting average of 340. There's not a player in either league that's batting that right now. Hello? Hello? On July the 4th, 1939, stricken with what we now call Lou Gehrig's disease, he said these words. Fans, for the past two weeks, you've been reading about the bad break I got. Yet today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I've been in ballparks for 17 years, and I have never received anything but kindness and encouragement from you fans. Look at these grand men. Which of you wouldn't consider it the highlight of his career just to associate with them for even one day? Sure, I'm lucky. Who wouldn't consider it an honor to have known Jacob Ruppert 
also the builder of baseball's greatest empire, Ed Barra, to have spent six years with that wonderful little fellow, Miller Huggins, then to have spent the next nine years with the outstanding leader, that smart student of psychology, the best manager in baseball today, Joe McCarthy. Sure, I'm lucky. When the New York Giants, a team you would give your right arm to beat and vice versa, sends you a gift, that's something. When everybody down to the groundskeepers and those boys in white coats remember you with trophies, that's something. When you have a wonderful mother-in-law who takes sides with you and squabbles with her own daughter, that's something. Boy, it really is. When you have a father and a mother who work all their lives so you can have an education and build your body, it's a blessing. When you have a wife who's been a tower of strength and shown more courage than you dreamed existed, that's the finest I know. So I close in saying that I may have had a tough break, but I have an awful lot to live for. July the 4th. 1939, within two years, at the age of 37, he was dead. If today were your last day on earth, if you knew it was your last day on earth, who would you want to talk to and what would you want to say? Joshua knew that his time was coming to a conclusion. But he had some folks he wanted to talk to and he had some things he wanted to say. And what he said was, get over the past and serve the Lord in the future. Let's pray. Our Father, On this Sunday before Thanksgiving, we have so much for which to be thankful. Most of all, we're thankful for your salvation and everything that you did on the cross and through the resurrection to make our salvation possible. We thank you for the church that has kept the gospel alive from the day you were crucified to this very day in which we live. So that we could have the opportunity to hear about the gospel and respond freely. Lord, I thank you for our friends who assemble around us and hold us close and accountable. Now, Lord, I pray for the salvation of somebody. I pray, Lord, for the rededication of somebody. I pray that there would be people who come to this altar and lay aside the past to which they are holding with a death grip and instead embrace the future for themselves, for our church. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.